Brianna, and welcome to podcast episode number six. Hello, Samuel. How are you today? Good, thanks. I'm buzzing because I've just been taken to Starbucks by the head of school, so I've had too much coffee. <laughs> Which <laughs> is good for a podcast. Too much caffeine, too much sugar. That'll keep me going. Yeah, sounds good. Mmm. How's it going? Good. I've just had decaf tea this morning, so oh, forgive no me good, if I'm it? a little bit drained. Yeah. So I'm going to have to do all the work in this one. Yeah. And Annabelle's been sleeping a bit more as well. Has she? Your eyes look more open. <laughs> yeah, it's a, li- <laughs> it's a little bit easier to deal with life when you get a little bit more sleep. But hey, it's still worth it at four o'clock in the morning when she wakes up and looks at you. Oh. Oh. Excellent. So this is podcast number six. Yes, and we've still got quite a lot of these to do, but how much longer are you going to be employed for? Because you're just, I say just, you're covering Joe's maternity leave at the moment and Joe's going to be coming back soon and she refuses to podcast with me. <laughs> well, we'll see if I can hang around for a little bit longer. Um, we're in negotiations, I think that's the best way to describe it. So, you, okay, so we might be able to keep you on. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, we are aiming to get most of these subjects covered by the intermediate MB exams, aren't we? Which, which is in April. Which is the end of April, so... Yeah, hopefully we get most of these done, but it'd be good to continue them. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think I'd enjoy that, and maybe even branch out. We'll see. Yeah, so keep hearing good things from people around the world. I have a few emails requesting where's this one, where's that one. And Superb. Some people in faith in person tell me. That they, Does that mean I'm going to have to learn all the embryology? Yeah. Oh no. This is the number one podcast for embryology in iTunes at the moment. Hooray! That's how important we are. Hear the applause. Excellent. Yeah. Well, let's get it on. Doesn't say much, does it? It's embryology. <laughs> Let's get on with it. So, what is this topic so for number six? Today, we're going to be covering the limb bird. Dun, dun, dun. Limb development. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So the last time we, we we talked about somites, so we're we're um we're into musculoskeletal embryology, aren't we? Yeah, and it's a big topic, so we decided to split it up. So yeah. So if we do, if we did somites last time, we'll do limb development this time. Development of the head and neck, we'll just throw right back to the end of the series. Because it isn't going to make a lot of sense until after we've talked about pharyngeal arches and what have you. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so we'll do these two. And then that's most of the musculoskeletal concepts covered, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so what are the key points about limb development then? Okay, well, we're going to look at um, the formation of the axes. <clears throat> axes, very important. And the limb is a good example of axes. Because it has three of them, yeah, which yeah. we'll go into. Um, and then we're going to look at how they're formed. So, you know, signaling molecules and the concept of signaling molecules. Yes, that's how axes are laid down. That's how a cell knows where it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll have a little look at, you know, the timings of everything and when they're happening and what important times, things like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, timing-wise, we can say that the limb starts to develop from, what, the end of the fourth week. Yeah. Um, you start to get that development of that limb bud and continues onwards from there. I mean, by eight weeks, like we say, at the end of the embryological period, we've got what looks like, you know, a proper limb. You've got fingers and, mm. and toes. So and it does that happen sort of quite thing. rapidly. So pretty much from the end of week four to week eight. But, yeah, there's continued development after that as well. Okay. Okay, um, so we should we talk, start talking about the limb bud then? Or should we link that mm. back to the somites that we talked about last week? Yeah, okay. Well, basically, the limb buds start to form, like you said, at the end of the fourth week. Yeah. Um, the, the forelimb starts to form before the hind limb or your arm before your leg if you like right um there's a slight lag behind that which is interesting um and the the limb buds that are forming are actually forming from this lateral mesoderm if you think back to this the trilaminar disc that we had yeah um and we had the ectoderm mesoderm in the middle endoderm and then the three parts of the mesoderm the paraxial which ends up being the somites the intermediate and the lateral mesoderm. Now, it's the lateral mesoderm that ends up forming the limb buds. Very good. So, this is on the sides of the embryo then? Yes. It's lateral mesoderm. 
So it's the mesoderm that stimulates the ectoderm, which is on the outside, Correct. to form the limb bud. Absolutely right. So if you take that bit of mesoderm, which is going to trigger the formation of limb bud, and you mm-hmm. stick it somewhere else in the body, mm-hmm. will, that form the, will that cause the ectoderm there to start a limb bud? It will. It Freaky. does. Yeah, so you can end up um, sort of transplanting the mesoderm that would make the forelimb. If right. you transplant it onto the flank of whatever type of embryo you've got, um, you'll end up having an extra limb. Ace. On the flank. Okay. Useful we'll for, you know, creating those mutant mice to take over the world with, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Real X mice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, okay, so how do we link this back to somites then, which we were talking about last time? Well, um, obviously in a limb that's developing, you don't just have your connective tissues. You also need to have muscle and you need to have nerves and guess where they're coming from so might yeah all the muscles that so that'd be from the myotome of the somite correct those muscle cells are then gonna have what they're gonna migrate into the limb bud yeah trailing the nerve cells behind them excellent okay and as the limb then continues to develop those muscle cells divide move with the limb bud as it yeah. gets longer and longer and yeah, get more specialised and yeah. trail the nerves in and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, Ace. each somite donates between, I think it's 30 and 100 myotomal, you know, muscle precursor cells to each right. limb bud. Okay. So, so there's not many going in, but then they just proliferate and make up space. Cool. So with the development of the limb, then we have the somites that we spoke about last time. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, the mesoderm stimulating the overlying ectoderm in that region of the future limb. To kick off development of the limb bud. Absolutely. Tidy. Okay, so um, obviously if the mesoderm is telling the ectoderm to do this, it's got to be sending out a signal. So let's talk about signaling ideas. We spoke about signaling ideas probably in the first podcast, did we, or the second one? Oh, I don't know. Something like that. But let's go over that again. So the idea is that a cell or a group of cells will be synthesizing a signaling molecule of whatever type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and other cells will have receptors to those signaling molecules and they can pick them up and respond to them. And that signaling molecule that's synthesized could either be stuck to the surface of the cell or could be uh, freely diffusible between all the other cells and tissue that's making up that limb bud, right? Sure. What happens if a cell hasn't got a receptor for it? It doesn't see it. It doesn't respond to it. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't affect it. And in some cases, cells with different receptors can respond differently to the same stimulus yeah but hey yeah. we won't go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's a long and lonely road <laughs> <laughs> um so to follow that up then those cells that are synthesizing the the uh signaling molecule mm-hmm. around those cells there's going to be a high concentration of it yeah because it's right there but further away from that from those synthesizing cells there's going to be less of that molecule the so signaling you, molecule. so you get a concentration gradient yeah so it diffuses out and you get a concentration gradient um so then a cell which has a receptor can detect essentially how much of that signaling molecule is around it mm. and may respond differently to a lower concentration than to a higher concentration. So a cell right. can respond differently depending upon how far away it is from those signaling cells. Brilliant. So then that will affect the differentiation of the cells. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's, uh, that leads us into the idea of axes then. Yeah, okay. And so um, if you look at your limb, there are three axes that we're going to cover. And this, this applies to you know, the whole body, doesn't it? Yeah, three yeah. Axes. But yeah. If, we, if we look we're, at the limb let's be as an example. Um, and one of the... Well, should we start with the 
proximodistal one. Sure. Okay, so we're starting proximodistal. So that means really from, if we, we'll talk about upper limb here. So we're talking from your armpit, your shoulder, all the way down to the tips of your fingers. Okay, that's the proximodistal axis that we're talking shoulder about. Shoulder is proximal, fingers are distal. Brilliant. Okay, and um, one of the important structures that we see in the limb bud, so when it first forms, it's like this kind of paddle shape, um, and it's, you know, there's nothing to distinguish it that much from, you know, which side's which, what's up and down, and all that kind of thing. Um, and actually what forms um, in the ectoderm, so the surrounding layer of cells on the limb bud, there's this ridge that forms, um, and it's called the apical ectodermal ridge. A-E-R. Yeah. And it's to really, use a really <laughs> three-letter acronym. Sorry, <laughs> it's really important in this proximodistal axis because it um, it's involved in just the growth along there. Okay. Yeah. So the AER, there's it's a proper ridge as well, isn't it? Mm. If you look at it under a scanning electron microscope, you can see this proper ridge on the end of the limb bud. And yeah, and it's a signalling centre as well. Yeah, and so. it, the signals involved there maintain the cells just underneath it, don't they? Yeah. The, the cells in what we call the progress zone. Yep. So the signals from the AER maintain those, the cells in the progress zone, keeps them proliferating. Yeah, that's the key, that's the key thing. And so if, if the cells in the progress zone are continuing to proliferate, um, the limb bud's going to grow in a proximal distal way. It, it gets longer, yeah. Yeah. And what happens if we, if we take away the AER or the progress zone? or uh, Basically up? stops. The limb development stops. You get a stunted limb. It, it depends on... So you don't get any fingers? No. It depends on when you take it away Yeah. in development. You know, the earlier you take it away, the less limb will form. So if you take it away early, you might just get a humerus or part of the humerus. Yeah. If you take it away a bit later, you might get an ulnar and a radius, but no, no hand, hand and yeah. so on. Yeah, yeah okay. it's exactly that sort of thing. So it controls growth outwards from the body. Correct. Excellent. Okay, so what's the, the next axis we should talk about? The next one will cover the... Anteroposterior, I think. Anteroposterior. Yes. So that's uh, between little finger and thumb. Correct. Okay. So little finger, blah, 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 blah. between your little finger, little finger and your thumb. Okay. So how do we um, differentiate the difference in our in our digits and also the difference, you know, with the ulna and the radius and that kind of thing? That's all important. Yeah, because the the limb it's not symmetrical, is it? No. The little finger and the thumb are different. Mm. So the cells in there have to know whether they are. <coughs> Excuse me. Whether they're posterior or anterior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They need a uh, some sort of signal coming from somewhere. So the somewhere that creates the signal is called the zone of polarizing activity. Okay. So in this case, there is one signaling center on one side yeah. of the axis, the zone of polarizing activity, ZPA. Yeah. So that's on that's on a specific side, and that will create this another um, concentration gradient of signaling molecules. Okay. So it's going to be um, very highly concentrated around the zone of polarizing activity, and as it diffuses through the limb bud, that's where the differentiation occurs, and you get a thumb one side, and you get a little finger the other side, and then all your other fingers in between, if you're lucky. Yeah. Okay. So the ZPA is on the posterior. Uh, yeah. side of the developing limb Excellent. so the cells around it know that they're on the posterior side because it's a high concentration yeah. of uh, retinoic acid it is that's the signalling uh, substance in this case isn't it and on the far side on the anterior side there's less of it so they respond differently so that's how you get that axis yeah so the ZPA makes retinoic acid and we'll talk a little bit about retinoic acid a bit later yeah okay um, here's a question for later what is retinoic acid <laughs> 
Retin, no. Retin. <laughs> right. Retin. So, so we've covered the proximal distal axis. We've covered the anterior posterior axis. And there's got to be a third axis so that a cell knows exactly where it is in three dimensions. Yeah. So yeah. now this is the dorsal ventral axis. Okay. So this dorsal is dorsal ventral. So dorsal is the side of the fingernails. Yeah. The back of the hand. Back of your hand. Ventral is the side of the fingertips. Well, the front palm of, the hand. of your hand. Palm of your hand. Yeah. Yeah, and um, if you think back to when we were talking about the AER, the apical ectodermal ridge, that ridge of ectoderm is actually between the ventral and the dorsal side of the limb. Yes. Okay, so that's that. the signalling for that is also important um, for that axis as well. And there's something else that's important, Sam. Huh? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the cells on the dorsal, the dorsal ectoderm, they're expressing wind. Um, let's not worry too much about what the genes are, but um, the wind and the FGFs and sonic hedgehog, all of those are interrelated between uh, the dorsal ventral axis and the AER and so on, and they, they look after each other. But the cells on the dorsal side then, you know they're dorsal because if you look at their, their expression, of you can see that they're expressing wind. Yeah. So they're different to the cells on the ventral side. So basically, there's all these different signaling molecules happening, and we don't—you don't need to know this. So we're not going to go into it. As a medical student, yes. as a biologist or an embryologist, you do. Yeah, but so we're not going to go into that now because it's probably like a whole other podcast on its own. To be fair. Yeah, it'd be a really good one as well. Yeah, but, well, maybe. Well, for us. Um. So so basically, now we've got our three axes: proximal, distal, anterior, posterior, and dorsal ventral. Um. What happens? How do we get fingers though? So if we've still got this limb bud forming, how do we? How does it distinguish between the fingers? Well, the limb bud is kind of a flattened, yeah, disc bud, isn't of, it? Yeah. And that extends. So by the time you get to the point where you get fingers, it still looks very paddly, and you get condensations which are going to form the cartilage and then the bones of mm. the fingers. Um, but they're kind of all joined in kind of a what a like a duck's foot, like a big webby thing. But the cells in between the fingers start to die. They enter programmed cell death, they enter apoptosis. Um, so those cells die, so then you start to get individual digits. I see. So cell death is a really important part of development then. Yeah, yeah. And talking about fingers, um, we've talked about retinoic acid, yeah. the zone of polarizing activity. Um, so if we're, if we're looking after the anteroposterior uh, axis, mm -hmm. so from, you know, between uh, thumb and little finger, if you were to take retinoic acid and stick it on the other side of the limb bud, you'd get a mirror image of those fingers and thumb because the cells would then have two axes. So the right. cells on the anterior side would think they were on the posterior side and they'd start making the wrong fingers. I see, that makes sense. And the sense. cells in between would have the lowest concentration gradient. So you get, I don't know what that's called. Is there a term for that? For um, having I like a mirror one. image of fingers and what have you? I I'm can't sure remember. there is. But um, yeah, it's a classical experiment, that is, where you take the ZPA or retinoic acid or whatever create two um, zones of polarizing activity on the anterior side and the posterior side, you get 10 fingers. Excellent. So do you want to answer the question that you asked before? What is retinoic acid? Yeah, retinoic acid is a form of vitamin A. So vitamin A is important in eyesight, right? Uh, retinoic, retin, retina. So uh, vitamin A is involved, retinol mm. is involved in the pigmentation of the retina, hence why I gave that rubbish clue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but retinoic acid, vitamin A, you're probably aware that pregnant ladies um, are warned not to take on too much vitamin A in the first 
well, yeah, during the embryological period, during the first eight weeks. Uh, and we can see why now. Vitamin A and its derivatives, it's, it's the types of vitamin A, like retinoic acid and what have you, are signaling molecules. And pregnant ladies should eat lots of carrots, lots of broccoli and that sort of thing to get normal vitamin A. But they probably shouldn't take on too much cod liver oil or you know, liver because those are sites of lots of uh, vitamin A, because it can disrupt the signaling. Uh, not so much in the case of limb development, but it's also involved in, as I said, the development of the eye and uh, nerves and what have you. So you can have uh, various neuropathies and what have you right. form if a pregnant lady was to maybe take on, eat too much vitamin A during a crucial period of something developing. I see. And with regards to limb development, it can cause a shortening of the long bones, basically. Right. That's what happens. Called phocomelia, apparently. Cool. Um, and which is also related. Phocomelia is also one of the things that um, people saw with the thalidomide tragedy, if you like. Yes. Um, you know, in the late fifties, early sixties. You know, that's quite important, probably to mention here. Yeah. Tell us about thalid- thalidomide because <laughs> it um, it obviously causes some severe limb truncations. Yeah. But how how does that occur? Well, interesting question. Um, I did a little bit of research and looked up and and cut a long story short, nobody's 100% sure yet, oh, sorry, on the mechanism of of thalidomide and how it affects limb development. Um, There's lots of different theories knocking around. Um, I mean, when thalidomide was first used, it was used as, um, I'm sure you all know, um, an anti-nausea kind of... Mm. drug for Help get rid of morning sickness yeah that's sure. what i'm trying to say um but basically they they found um prolonged use caused signs of peripheral neuropathy right that in in not specifically pregnant women mm. um but what the research has shown sort of later on down the line 20 years after it's been used um is a variety of things that thalidomide does affect now one of our students worked with somebody who did some research on thalidomide um she's a woman called um dr mccready and she looked into um, how thalidomide affects the peripheral nerves and hence affects limb development by, you know, not allowing the peripheral nerves to form. That's one theory. The other one, and kind of before that, people were thinking that it actually blocked mesenchymal proliferation. Now, McCready thinks that um, it's the nerves rather than the mesoderm. Right. There's still people think that it's the mesoderm as well, right. possible. Um, another um, paper... 2000 paper, a guy called Stevens, he's written a few, he's done a bit of research on it. I mean, he thinks that um, it's important, he's looked more at the genes and he's looked at FGF2 and IGF, so growth factors. He's looked at the growth factors and the genes of those growth factors and that basically thalidomide affects the genes so the growth factors can't form. So if the growth factors can't form, they're part of the signaling molecules. Yeah. Knock-on effect affects the development and the FGFs are crucial in the function of the AER and progress owners exactly then there's another guy called Novlock I don't know if I pronounced that right but I really like that name good name name. yeah Yeah. Um, he's got a 2007 paper and he was looking at the BMP pathway and and cut a long story short he basically thinks that thalidomide increases cell death so there's Ah. all sorts of different theories about the mechanism of thalidomide and how it did actually affect Mm. these people Mm. who were born with the birth malformations so I, I think it's probably not the end of the story no but it's a very interesting one fascinating stuff to be honest mm. um thalidomide is coming back into use again these days isn't it for yes. an anti-cancer drug anti-cancer drug and it's also used in leprosy 
Leprosy? Yeah. Really? What's it used for in leprosy? Um, couldn't be specific. Oh, couldn't, uh, getting rid of leprosy? Or? Yeah, no. Um, oh, I did read it, but I can't remember. Something to do with lesions. There's something to Google. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, it's to do, I think it's to do with the lesions and the blood supply, again, because oh. it does affect blood supply. Oh, that was another thing I, I didn't mention as well. They've looked into thalidomide affecting the growth of blood vessels, and it actually hinders the growth of blood vessels, hence the reason they're using it for cancers. Mm. So it's really, really very interesting. Yeah, good stuff. But there Thank are you, lot. Really. There are that's all right. There are other um, abnormalities that do happen. Yes, yes. Tell us about um, those. Well, obviously, there's. We've talked about focamelia, which is the shortening of the long bones. We've yep. talked about. Um, we haven't mentioned amelia or meromelia, and that's like the absence of a limb or uh-huh. part of a limb. Um, another one is polydactyly. Guess what that is? Lots of dactyly. <laughs> Too many fingers. Lots of fingers. When you the six fingers. Um, yeah. A famous person. I was looking for famous people who had suffered from polydactyly, and the only real one that I could find was Anne Boleyn. Apparently, the only real one. Yeah, I've got a fictional <laughs> character. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, so Anne Boleyn. But basically, um, it's all a bit of a rumor. But she, they reckon, she had six fingers, and that influenced the development of the style of dress, the sleeves, and the style of dress back in those days. So the sleeves were long. long enough to cover her fingers. Yeah. Awesome. Nuts, isn't it? The other one, who um, some of you may or may not know, if you watch The Princess Bride, is Count Rugen, the six-fingered man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Classic. Which is a great film. (laughs) Good, I'm glad you agree. Um, And then, moving on from polydactyly, we've got syndactyly, which you actually mentioned, but you said something like, you know, duck's feet. Sorry, syndactyly is webbed. Yeah. Web fingers. We all have little short webs between our fingers, don't we? Yeah. If those are... Those extend much further up the finger. Yeah. Then that's syndactyly. And that was that's to do with like the lack of cell death and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, and famous people who have got that: Dan Aykroyd. Never noticed that. And Ashton Kutcher. Sam didn't know who he was before. Um, Still and don't. also Rachel Stevens. Who, apparently, who, yeah, I of course did recognise. S Club. <laughs> there ain't no party like an S Club party. Yeah. Nice. Anyway. So just a little bit of you know. Interesting. Yeah, it's out there. Trivia. Uh, yeah, and uh, most of these problems are caused by problems with signalling. Yeah. Signalling is crucial in normal development of the limb. And also the point then that uh, some of these signals are do occur in the diet, like vitamin A, and uh, you can cause all sorts of problems. Signalling and teratogens. Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. So I think, I think we've covered that pretty well. Yeah, I'm pleased Excellent. with that. Thanks, Rhiannon. Nice. Excellent. Okay, and, and what's the next podcast that we're going to... Well, gonna... like I say, we're going to stop musculoskeletal stuff now because the next bit really would be the head we've done we've done the axial skeleton and the body walls and mm-hmm. we? we've done the upper and lower limbs yep. in, in this one the next thing to talk about would be the development of the head and neck but i don't think that's we should talk about that until we've talked about the pharyngeal arches okay the branchial arches so we'll dump that to the end of the series so next i think we'll probably talk about the respiratory system oh, because okay. that's really important really relevant clinically and yeah. interesting okay. okay thanks Ree. right see you all next time okay people thank you goodbye Ta-ra. see you next time